Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet Perspective Transformers, who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share quotes with attribution, and also reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com. WomenSpeakers.com is the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformer. Welcome, welcome. Today's program is Forgiven and Restored with our guest, Jalise Fallon of Virginia. And during this hour, we are going to discover why you must face your pain before expecting healing, the hidden crippling power of unforgiveness, God's amazing plan to help you forgive even unthinkable offenses, Three benefits of forgiving your offender, even if they take zero responsibility. How to trust God, especially when forgiving seems scary. Why all forgiveness journeys aren't equal and how to embrace your own. How to both forgive and set boundaries and a happy surprise. Because God is full of surprises. Jaleas is a writer, educator, and speaker, a women's ministry leader at Compass Community Church near Winchester, Virginia, who leads retreats provides teaching workshops, and runs the Renew and Restore Retreat annually. She's married to David for 20 years. They have three teenagers. Her first book, Forgiven and Restored, is being released this weekend, and we're excited to have you here. Welcome to you, Jalise. Thank you, Marnie. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Well, it is wonderful to have you, and congratulations on your book called Forgiven and Restored. The title indicates that there's probably been some of that going on in your life. (laughs) Yes, most definitely. It's a very personal book, and um, it shares a lot about my personal journey with learning how to forgive and um, just realizing the restorative power of Jesus in our relationships. Hmm. I think that unforgiveness is something we've all dealt with. And I remember being um, maybe 10 years into our marriage and being at a conference and the uh, conference leader said, you know, if you are holding unforgiveness, if you're holding bitterness, you know, let's take care of that today. And then he said, he said, even if you're just holding on to hurt, that's, that counts. And I thought, Oh, I didn't know that that counted, <laughs> you know, so I was like, oh, okay, because I, I totally thought I'd forgiven and, you know, whatever, but it's like, okay, if you're still holding on to hurts, that counts, and um, Jesus just has this place where we can live where we don't have to hold on to that anymore, and that's what we're going to be talking about this hour, which is really exciting. I think... Yeah. Um, Before we dive into the deep stuff, one of the things I want to mention that I have learned about forgiveness as well as diving deeper with Jesus in any area of my life is that it's kind of like uh, if you imagine a screw going into a piece of wood and as that screwdriver turns that screw, um, it goes deeper and deeper. And with forgiveness and with other things that we learn too, like forgiveness, I can think I've totally forgiven, you know, thank you, God, I've totally forgiven. And um, bam, out of nowhere comes this unforgiving feeling toward that same person. And it's so shocking and kind of takes my breath away. And I was like, I thought I forgave. The reality is I did. I forgave everything I knew to forgive up till that moment. But as life turned that screw deeper into my soul, there was more there. Look at that. <laughs> so yeah. I think one of the things we can misunderstand about forgiveness is that it's a one and done. And instead, I think that without any guilt or shame, I think that it's a process and that that's okay. And just to embrace that. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, definitely. And, you know, in part of my story that I tell in the book is just that whole process of 
so many false starts and thinking that I had forgiven and moved on from something um, only to have it creep back up. And I didn't realize not only how it was continuing to impact the relationships I had with the people that I needed to forgive, but it was seeping into how I handled conflict and difficult moments and just um, trusting the people in my other relationships. And it really kind of invades all areas of your life when you mm-hmm. continue to hold on to that that hurt and that unforgiveness. Um, and sometimes, like you said, uh, something will crop up and, and you'll, you'll think you have moved on and you haven't. And it's that process of doing the hard work, first of all, to really heal, especially if it's from something traumatic, um, like some of the things I discuss in the book, but also reminding yourself that you've already forgiven and you've already given it over to God and you're trusting him going forward. And that, that's been really key for me when I hit those moments of, you know, feeling like it's, it's bubbling back up to the surface is reminding myself, I've already chosen to forgive and I've already chosen to trust God in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talk about our need to face the pain before we can experience the healing. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so I talk about that a bit in the book about how important it was for me to learn how to own my truth before I could heal. Um, And I think often when we face something traumatic in our life, we kind of go into survival mode and we just keep moving forward because that's what we have to do. And over time, that can lead to this um, diminishing of the truth of what happened to us because we're just looking ahead and moving forward. And in my own life, I kept pushing down the reality of the um, abuse that I had dealt with as a child. And I think for me, partly I was afraid to talk about it because there's a lot of shame associated with being a victim of abuse, but it was partly because I tried to justify that it wasn't that bad. Um, it was a one-time incident for me, and I thought other people had it so much worse, so I needed to just let go and move on. But what I found out years later when I really did the, the hard work of healing is that by doing that, I was trying to cover up my wounds, and that was preventing me from being able to fully heal them and begin the process of forgiving. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when when we've got these covered up and we're in survival mode and, okay, we're just pushing through and going, what is the downside of that? Like, what is the downside of just not doing the work of forgiveness? Um, Well, for me, it was 20 years of hurt and bitterness that I was holding on to. It was a strained relationship with my mother. Um, It was um, impacting how I interacted with my husband and my marriage and friendships that I had. I mean, it, it was really... Um, you know, bitterness really just grows and it starts to infiltrate all these areas of your life. And sometimes you don't even realize how ugly and pervasive it is. So um, when a person, maybe we have a listener or several who are like, okay, I can see that I may be in survival mode, that I am just doing this, but I really don't want to um, bring all this up. Um, mm-hmm. What You talk about God's amazing plan um, yeah. to help you forgive even unthinkable offenses. Can you just address like the heart that says, I just, I maybe know I should, but I just don't want to. Yeah. Well, yeah. So in the book, I mean, I, I do talk about some hard stuff. I talk about abuse and abandonment and infidelity, and there were times in my life where those things definitely felt that they were too big to forgive. And, you know, forgiveness, what I had to learn was that the reason why God calls us to forgive, it's not really for the other person. It's really for us. Um, It's a gift that we give ourselves And when I started to um, dive into doing the hard work of healing from those past hurts, 
I started to get a little bit of a glimpse of that freedom that comes from letting go of the hurt and the anger and the bitterness. And once I got a taste of that, I realized how beautiful my life could be and how free I could be if I was willing to continue to put in the hard work. So I think the hardest part is that first step of saying, I'm going to face this because, yeah, it's scary. And sometimes it feels like it's just too much to try and face, especially if it's a really deep-seated trauma. But I can tell, you know, for the folks listening or anybody who reads the book, I can tell you from my story that it is such a beautiful gift from God. And I really believe that that's why he calls us to forgive so that we can live a life of freedom and that taking that first step and doing the hard work, it is so worth it. It's a totally different way of life when you have let go of all of that hurt and anger. Hmm. Um, there, there's actually, you talk about three benefits of forgiving your offender, even if they take zero responsibility. So before we go into the benefits, let's talk a little bit about this offender who takes zero responsibility. I know I had one of these in my life long, many, many, many years ago, and it completely um, derailed me for a while. I could not, I could not understand like with God. So my my thinking, my understanding of God's forgiveness toward us is that Jesus died on the cross for all of us, but we have to say, um, I, you know, I need you. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. That's our part. And so when this person had so wounded me and was taking zero responsibility for it, I really felt like I was pretty justified to hold on to my unforgiveness toward them until there came a day, there came a time when um, God just showed me his heart. And once Jesus had died on the cross for everybody, God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit stand in for readiness to forgive. In other words, the, the forgiveness decision has already been totally made. Right. And when I ask God for forgiveness, he doesn't say, well, let me think about it or let me decide what I'm going to have you do for penance or whatever. They're, all of that's all done already. And the only step left is for me to ask, for me to actually receive it. And when I understood that, I was able to get free and to just really offer forgiveness, even though it wasn't even wanted. It wasn't, you know, they, they didn't think there was anything to be forgiven. But by right. me offering, by me standing in readiness to forgive with all the work of it done, I was able to go free. And this was, this was huge. And I think looking back, at it was really amazing how trapped I felt until I got to that, to that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's absolutely what I experienced as well. I think that, um, you know, we do live by this viewpoint that, you know, in order to forgive someone, they have to ask for it. They have to show some sort of remorse or repentance for what they did. And, and, and not only that, but we really long to hear those words, right? I mean, who doesn't want to hear somebody that you, that you care about who's hurt you say, I'm sorry, because you feel like that's going to make it all better. Um, but as I said before, I really think that the, the key difference is God forgave us. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us as a gift to us. Um, when we forgive other people, there, there may be um, – some benevolence in that to the other person, but I really believe we're giving ourselves a, a gift as well. Um, it's not quite on par with, um, you know, the forgiveness and the grace that we receive as God's children by forgiving someone else. We're really releasing ourselves of holding on to that hurt and anger so we can be free to move on and live a life you know, we, we read in Scripture about the fruits of the Spirit, and I, it's really hard to live out those fruits when we're hanging on to anger and hurt and bitterness. So I think that we have to remind ourselves that um, by forgiving someone, um, you know, it's not it's not just to release them of any sort of hurt or anger, which would require them to first apologize, but it's also to release ourselves. And I think that's that's kind of the get the the 
gap that needs to be bridged when you're dealing with someone who is not willing to ask for forgiveness or take responsibility. You have to say, okay, um, I'm going to work on forgiveness, uh, and I'm going to do this to release myself so that I can walk closer to God and not be hindered by any sort of hurt, pain, or bitterness that is impacting my walk with Christ. And I'm doing this because that's what I'm called to do, not because the other person necessarily has asked for it or deserves it. That earner deserve is such a big piece. Uh, every morning when I um, I wake up praying the Lord's Prayer every morning, oh, good morning, Daddy. You know, I'm so glad you're up in heaven where you have perfect perspective, even though I'm stuck down here and I'm glad that you're going to be with me, helping me all day long. I just honor and praise your name. And then I go on through the Lord's Prayer. When I get to the part, forgive me, forgive me my sins, forgive us our sins, even as we forgive the sins of others. I like to sometimes just replace those words with forgive me for being a jerk to you in the same way as I'm going to forgive others for being a jerk to me today. And all I have to do is just think of all the times when I have gone ahead and done things without checking with God, when I've done things exactly opposite of what he would have wanted me to do, clearly defined in the Bible, um, when I have just got ignored him completely for hours or even days, all of these things are being a jerk to him, and he could hold that all against me anytime anytime and he chooses instead to forgive and i think that that's where i that's where i kind of brought this whole forgiveness thing down into the daily uh, you know ho-hum of life you know where it's just somebody's just being a jerk um and there's this forgiveness that can be extended in those moments and as we learn to extend forgiveness in the small things or could be the exact opposite you learn to forgive them in the big things and then the residual spillover is that we have it for all the other times when people offend us and hurt us um you talk about you talk about three benefits of of forgiving our offender what is the first one i think you've already mentioned it um well so i think you know and and in my story, I talk um, about two different relationships primarily, but um, in the the one relationship I talk about is forgiving my mom, um, you know, for not protecting me from the abuse, not believing me after it happened, and the perceived abandonment, um, and and you know there was as my story unfolds in the book, you find out that, you know, she, she didn't think that there was anything to, to apologize for. So in going through that process of figuring out how to heal from those wounds and um, forgive her, I started to find that when I chose to forgive her, the first benefit was finally letting go of the bitterness and anger that I'd be carrying. I, it, it really softened my heart um, in general, but especially toward her, and it changed how I interacted with her. I found that I was a gentler person. I was less defensive. And at the time, she didn't know that I had forgiven her, but I know she felt a shift in our interactions because of the change that was happening in me. And that kind of led to the second benefit, which is as I started to change and my heart started to soften, it became like a chain reaction, and that caused her to start to change as well. She became less defensive. And, you know, we we had been both battling an unspoken enemy for so long we didn't even realize it. And so that's the surprising benefit was that by forgiving my mom, even when she hadn't asked to be forgiven or admitted any wrongdoing, it started to change our interactions. And then I think the other thing that was kind of a, a benefit just by default that I wouldn't even even thought about was um, it, it changed how I witnessed to my own children. As a mom, you know, anybody who has kids knows they they just pick up on everything and they watch your interactions and they're really more intuitive i think than sometimes we give them credit for and so you know 
they were able to pick up on that shift, even if at that young age they didn't fully understand and they certainly didn't have the context of the history and what was going on, you know, they saw from body language and tone of voice and, Mm -hmm. you know, even whispered conversations they weren't supposed to hear, you know, they knew that there was tension and there was strain between these two adults that they loved. And by forgiving my mom, I was inadvertently able to model for my children the beauty of living life in forgiveness and free from hurt and pain. And so, you know, I think that, and, you know, this is, I'm giving a very specific example of the three benefits in this relationship, but I think that they are universal, that, um, you know, there's the freedom we give ourselves, um, there's, we're modeling that and being a witness to Christ to other people, including our offender, and also to the people that we care about and love, and we're showing them um, just the healing power of forgiveness and and how um, just beautiful that can be. So for me, those those were key benefits. Hmm, for sure. I, the second one, the chain reaction, that's one always bothers me, and I love it and hate it all at the same time. But <laughs> Evelyn, Evelyn Christensen wrote a book in the 60s called Lord Change Me. And uh, I took many, many Bible study groups through that, you know, the 80s and 90s. And just, um, it was, frust- it still frustrates me that I need to change in order for others to change. Mm-hmm. And it's not always true. Obviously, God can have them change and then I change after that. But it seems like he calls us, he really does call us to be the one, to be the one to let him change us. And yeah. how God perceives it is that this is a huge gift to us, that this is not something burdensome that he's calling us to do but instead it's something beautiful that he's calling us to do this gift that he's extending to us and as we receive this gift of healing and freedom then others also change and um have you have you dealt with any frustration about that or any what is what are your thoughts yeah, I, I mean, well, first of all, I just have to agree 100%. I mean, absolutely, it's a gift. And, and I do think God calls us, you know, to do that and to be a witness to others. Um, and, and, yeah, like the concept of it is frustrating because I think we live life with kind of this um, expectation that, that there's a, a measure of fairness and balance. And so, you know, if I was hurt, if I was wronged, then I shouldn't have to be the one to uh, come apologize first. You know, I think about so many times in in my marriage when there have been arguments and I just want to stay mad and, um, you know, I don't want to be the first to extend the olive branch. But I know in my heart from having done it and being nudged by God that, that even if I felt like, you know, whatever I was arguing about, my case was right, that by extending that olive branch, I am opening up that opportunity for communication with my husband. And and that's a small example, but it works on the big stuff too. Um, and like you said, I mean, everybody's different, and, and God doesn't necessarily need us to do that to change the other person's heart. And we can't always guarantee that our change of heart is going to impact another person enough. But it's a gift that we give ourselves and it's a big blessing whether their their heart is changed or not because it's just a, a release to let go of that anger and that hurt um and and yeah and my experience in my life it's always resulted in some sort of beautiful benefit that i didn't i couldn't even imagine and that's that's the greatness of God, mm. right? Because he mm. sees things in a much broader scale than we do. And we don't even realize the blessings that he has planned for us when we're obedient and we walk in forgiveness and, and all the ways, kind of that chain reaction of what it's going to do in our life and how it's going to bless us and impact the people around us. Mm. Before we leave this subject I want to go back to that um, person that takes zero responsibility and um, just uh, address the final question that's coming to my mind and of course there's probably a thousand more but this one's just bubbling to the surface for me when we extend forgiveness to a person who is not taking responsibility possibly doesn't even know the extent to which they hurt us doesn't know the whole story Mm -hmm. Uh, but yet they were responsible for it, at least from our perspective. Um, my 
my understanding, I guess I'm just going to say it this way. My understanding is that I can do this with God and I don't necessarily even have to involve the person unless that right. seems like um, what he's calling me to do. It's not like I haven't forgiven them if I don't tell them about it. I can totally right. do that in the privacy of my heart. Absolutely. And that's that's exactly what happened in my relationship with my mom. I went through, um, you know, some intensive counseling to heal from um, the things that I was carrying. And I walked through that forgiveness process on my own. And there there was a moment when my, you know, talking to my counselor, we had to decide, you know, do I let my mom know that I've forgiven her and our relationship was in a place that, you know, I just felt like it would cause more harm because she may not react in a way that, that would um, validate that hard work that I had done and that could be harmful in that, that process for me. So it was between me, God, and my counselor, you know, that I did that whole, um, the, all the work for that healing. And at that time, you know, for probably another two years, it was not something that I discussed with my mom. Um, now, over time, you know, she felt that shift as I talked about and mm-hmm. our relationship started to change. And eventually I was able to share that with her. But at the time, it was not um, a, a season of life where that was, um, I felt like that was the right thing to do. So absolutely, I agree. You know, you can walk through that process with God um, and, and do that forgiveness in your heart. And you don't necessarily even have to tell, uh, you know, your offender what's going on. They they it may not be the best thing for you to tell them, depending on what that right. situation is. Exactly. And we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up here in just a few minutes about setting boundaries, um, too, uh, in this process and, and with someone who's hurt you in the past. And certainly that's something that's completely biblical and just uh, obviously a case-by-case basis. But next I want us to talk a little bit about how to come to a point where you can trust God even when it feels really scary to forgive someone. And even though it seems weird that it does, it does feel, it does feel like it's hard to forgive. It's, it's interesting. We do this prayer ministry called um, transformational prayer ministry. And one of the things is that when a person is angry, we all as like a race, a human race, we all deal with anger differently than with the other emotions. And a lot of times unforgiveness falls under that category. You want to stay angry. You just want to. um, It's not like you're thinking, I want to stay angry. I want to keep unforgiving. But uh, it is actually there. It's something we hold on to because it helps us. It makes us feel a little powerful. I think is the delusion is that we have this sense that if we let go of this, then we, we give that person all the power. Uh, back again. And whereas the other emotions, like if I'm feeling uh, sadness, or if I'm feeling lost, or if I'm feeling pain or whatever, I just want to get rid of that feeling. <laughs> you know, those really right. just take them away quick, 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 get rid of them. But with anger, and with um, some sides of unforgiveness, we tend to want to hold them because of this safety factor that we feel. And it's a lie, but it feels real. So in the yeah. process of learning to trust God, like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, totally. It's like you're, you're in my head because that (laughs) what you just described is so much of what I felt. And in the book, the other relationship that I talk about and I share my story of walking through forgiveness and restoration is in my marriage. And, um, you know, there was broken trust. I found out um, that my husband had, had been hiding an addiction. And during that, those moments in the initial days, like I wanted to hang on to my anger, partly because I felt justified in it, but I think also partly because I felt protected by the anger. Because if I if I let down the anger and I admitted like, okay, um, I'm going to begin to walk this path of learning to trust again and try and heal, that the trust had been so broken that that vulnerability and the potential of being hurt so deeply again was terrifying. And so the anger felt safe. That protected me from being able to move to the next step. And and what I finally realized in that relationship and the healing process, because it, it was very different, we decided, 
you know, immediately we were going to try and, and work things out. Um, so we were, I was actively working on not only forgiveness, but healing that relationship. And I just, I really struggled with how can I heal um, in, a, in a relationship like a marriage without there being trust, because I knew it was going to take time to rebuild trust in our marriage, that that, that was going to be a process. And there were moments in the beginning I didn't even know if it was possible, and I, I really was grasping for evidence that this could be done. And there was a moment of real clarity. Um, I was just about as broken as I could get, and we, we'd we had an argument, and I just was questioning, you know, why God was asking me to go through this and stay and try and repair. And I just had this, this moment of clarity that I know was God's voice that came directly to me, and it just, you know, told me, if I'm, if I'm asking you to do this, do you trust me to protect you and lead you through this process? And it was suddenly this, shift of realizing that even if I couldn't trust my husband for for a period of time while we were going through healing and rebuilding I could trust that God he loves me so much and he wants you know the best for me and scripture says that that he all things work according to his plan and purpose and it's you know plan for us to, to prosper and not to harm us. And if I believed that, then I had to believe that he was going to protect me and I had to trust him to walk us through that process and trust that he saw the ending and that all of the hard work and the pain and the rebuilding was going to be worth it. And so once I started to understand that, I realized that um, that's where my trust needed to be directed because, you know, humans are going to break our trust. They're going to let us down because it's our sin nature. It's it's human nature. But God is steadfast, and we can always count on him. And so when we're going through um, especially something really hard and scary like forgiveness and rebuilding a relationship, you know, when we feel like we can't trust the other person not to break our heart, not to hurt us, um, we can trust God and trust that his word is is true and that his love for us is never ending and he's going to protect us he's going to protect us and he's not going to ask us to do something um that's going to be harmful for us Hmm. and i know for me the the way for me to uh be able to trust god is to truly trust god and not trust the outcome Mm -hmm. not trust the other people not trust the plan or the program but literally to trust God. And I, a couple of years ago, he just had me in this place where um, finally I got it. It took multiple, multiple angles for him coming at this with me. But I, I, was, I was just one day and he just asked me if I would just put my hope in him alone because everybody else, everything else that I was putting my hope in, they weren't built strong enough to bear the weight of my hope. And I realized that I would say so many things, well, I hope that this happens, or I hope you'll be able to do that, or I hope this, or I hope that. And he just wanted all of my hope and faith in him alone. And the difference is that when I'm looking to a person or a plan or, or a particular outcome, then then I'm still, I remain vulnerable and I'm literally a little bit at the mercy of another person's free will, at the mercy of, of you know, external uh, circumstances that may not go anything. You know, I, I always go back to the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, when the angel came to her when she was just a virgin, a young girl, he said, you will have your he will be your son will be the king of the Jews and he will set you free. And she's standing under the cross and she's wondering you know, that little sign above his head, King of the Jews, and that little, you know, that little crown of thorns on his head. Is this it? I don't think this is what the angel meant, but this is what it feels like, you know? And when I'm there with a hope or a dream or uh, some kind of a process God is taking me through, I, I just remember that this is how it looks right now, but God is who I trust right now. And that the difference is in trusting him compared to trusting what I hope the outcome may be. Uh, a lot of yeah. times it's not going to look anything like I hope or expect. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, that's totally, you hit the nail on the head there. We just have to trust God and that he, he already knows how it's going to end. He knows what's going to happen. And we just trust, put our trust in him and, and trust that, that, you know, he's, he's taking care of us and providing us whatever that outcome looks like um, and whatever the other person chooses or decides to do. And that kind of brings us into the next thing we wanted to talk about is the uniqueness of forgiveness journeys, which is so true. I wanted to share as we're going into this that some forgiveness journeys end before they begin in that uh, when we were, when we owned a restaurant and a retail store, I was managing dozens of people and uh, people would come to me and say, you know, so-and-so did this or so I saw this go on or we were talking and this was happening. And I had a policy where I would go directly to the person who was supposed to be the offender and I would get their story. And so what I would want to do is I would want to get all offended, you know, when I'm hearing the story. Uh, but what I did is I just went to the person and I said, um, this is probably going to be a little upsetting to you, but actually this is what I heard. <laughs> this happened. And I am just asking you if you know anything about it. What's your, what's your side of the story? And Jalisa, it was amazing how many times, like nine times out of 10, literally, the person either was completely misunderstood or had a really good reason for making that exception that one time or had actually seen somebody else do it, <laughs> maybe a team leader or someone else do something similar and thought it was okay. And, you know, only like one out of 10 times was somebody actually doing something that really was offensive. And the rest of the time, there were reasons, extenuating circumstances. And so one of the forgiveness journeys that we could be on is that simply we hold this pain of unforgiveness and offense only as long as we don't address the person who has offended us or we think has offended us and we find out, oh, it didn't even happen. That, that isn't even a real offense. This is nothing. Mm. Uh, it can, you know, there's a reason for it. And then there are the real offenses, <laughs> which are all the rest of them, <laughs> that, that even then, you know, our journeys, our journeys look so different. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true, and I think that goes back to what you were saying before. You know, that's why we have to put our trust in God and not the outcome, because there is no guarantee. You know, the stories in in my book I, I think are really beautiful and hopeful because I was able to find restoration in both my marriage and and my relationship with my mom, and and, and they've been fully healed. Um, and that that's all God, but it doesn't always work that way. Um, and, you know, both people in a relationship have to be willing to put in the hard work to find restoration. And often the people who hurt us aren't able or whatever, you know, willing to do that. Um, and so I do talk about that a little bit in the book and, and how God is still a God of redemption. It just doesn't always look the same. And, you know, I think for the wife who forgives her husband um, but ultimately has to end her marriage because, you know, her spouse refuses to change his unhealthy behavior, redemption can look like her being able to fully trust and love someone new because she's let go of the hurt and pain from her previous relationship. Or for the daughter whose parent chooses to turn away from God and, and continues to be um, abusive or absent, re redemption can look like that daughter breaking the cycle and loving her kids in a healthy and healing way because she was able to let go of the bitterness of her own childhood. And and in the book, I you know, one of the scriptures that I pull out that always um, gives me just such hope is from Isaiah 61, chapter 3, which says, or verse 3, that says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for mm -hmm. his own glory. And I think about, you know, that crown of beauty exchanged for ashes and that, that great oak. And, you know, it's the promise that we have this great God who can make something beautiful rise from the ashes every time. And, and it may not be our definition of beauty. It may not be the world's definition of beauty. But when we trust him, he's, he is a God of redemption every single time. Yeah. 
that is one of my most my most comforting thoughts always is that God can bring good out of this too. Out of this too, God can bring good. And the choice is actually the choice is actually ours. There was a um, pastor we knew years ago that was very hurt and wounded by a church, and he went on. And about 20 years later, um, a couple from the church was with him actually on a, a, a trip abroad, and they asked him, you know, looking back. Looking back, what did you know? What can you see that God did good through that whole horrible situation? And 20 years later, he said, "I can't see one single thing. It was all bad." And I thought, "Wow, that is actually possible for us to so shut down what God could be showing us that He did well that we won't even see it, that we won't receive it, that our hearts are hard, and we won't receive the healing. The unforgiveness was still just right there." 20 years yeah. later and you just think of all the pain and you know there's that you know <laughs> that that thing you know it's just like um you know pouring a cup of poison in and just drinking it yourself the other person they've right. moved on they don't even remember anymore you know they're they're yeah. long gone um past past whatever happened and you're still stuck yeah. in it so there's this beautiful gift but the fact that god can bring good out of anything is such an amazing truth and comfort in situations that seem just sad and hopeless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that's the greatness of God, and that, and that's the, the promise that he gives us. Well, so we talked about earlier, we were going to get to this part about setting boundaries. And so the question is, how do you both forgive and set boundaries? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, healthy boundaries are really important. And I think you mentioned this earlier. There's, it's definitely, there's tons of examples um, in scripture and, and I referenced some of them in the book. I mean, it is, it is a biblical concept that having healthy boundaries in relationships um, is really to the benefit of the relationship. And I think that, um, you know, when you're healing from any sort of relational um, trauma or betrayal, they are not only a good idea, but they're absolutely critical to the restoration process. Um, and I talk a bit about how to set both physical and emotional boundaries and give some examples of the ones that I put into place uh, when I was healing in my relationships. Um, and for me, I know that um, without those boundaries, uh, I don't want to say healing wouldn't have been possible because I, I believe, you know, God can do anything, but I, it definitely um, would have been a lot slower and a lot more difficult um, than what it was without having those boundaries. So, you know, boundaries are really so important um, in walking through that process, you know, when you're rebuilding trust and you're, um, you know, restoring a relationship, they're super key. Um, and maybe even in going forward, you know, when we talk about sometimes, um, you know, a relationship isn't restored, but what have you learned from that experience and how can you take that and, and create healthy boundaries in the next relationship um, going forward? So I, there's just, I, I think, it's just such a key component of our relational um, structure and foundation. And, and I don't know that people always realize that it is, you know, there is calling in scripture and examples of this um, and, and how uh, God has laid that out and, and shown us that they're important. Hmm. Yeah. I, I have done so much work with boundaries myself in the past couple of years and have really grown in my respect for their value so much, first of all, in protecting me, of course, but also in protecting those around me. I realized that I would oftentimes step over a boundary line that another person had set up that I was just completely unaware of. Um, until going through it. But one of the examples that just changed it for me was when they used the example of your arm. So (laughs) he just said, um, and this is in the book, uh, Boundaries, but he just said, 
uh, he said, you know, you're willing to do so much for people, and that's good. Uh, but he said, if someone said to you, you know, I really need, I really need from your elbow down. That's what I need is I need an extra arm. Um, I just want from the elbow down, if I could just cut that off, that's exactly what I need is that arm and that hand there. And then I would be okay. And nobody in their right mind would say, sure, um, you know, that's going to be really tough for me, but go ahead because I know you need it. Uh, as soon as I understood the ridiculousness of that, yeah. you know, and saw the analogy was so helpful to me to see how clearly I'd been doing that emotionally with people and, you know, with words. And it's like, okay, no, 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 <laughs> we can, we yeah. can do better than this. And the reality is, is that God has actually given us a responsibility to take care of what he's entrusted to us. And it is not a bad thing to set healthy boundaries. It is a bad thing. It is a bad thing to pretend you're God and to, you know, um, become rigid and to have all of these, you know, blockages up. That's not healthy. But boundaries, healthy boundaries with Jesus, this is very healthy. And and God said, Jesus, when he was on earth, he set boundaries. He would only spend so long and then he would walk away. You know, Um, that I think the hardest day for me, from my perspective, one of the hardest days had to be he's in the he's in the pool of Siloam and there's all these all these crippled people and God gave him permission to heal one, one man, and then to walk out and not heal the rest. And that, I just think, Oh, that had to kill him. You know I mean? He has compassion. His compassion is so great. And so to walk away from all of those other hurting people, but that was what God asked him to do that day. That was the boundaries that he had to set yeah. one and done today. But all of them are healed now. I mean, all everybody who trusted God is in heaven now completely healed and whole. So, I mean, it's that we have this perspective. We were just talking about this here today. We're having a, kind of a sad day with um, a friend who's experienced such a, such a deep loss. And um, we were talking about how our number one priority is that everybody feels very good and is very safe and healthy. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. if you were going to ask me about my number one priority, I'm afraid even, you know, I would like to say it's your spiritual well-being. And I think that deep down, I do believe that. But honestly, how I behave and how I pray most of the time is that I really right. want you to feel feel very good and have no pain or discomfort in your world, you know. Right. And God just isn't about that. It is not his main priority. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When we think of boundaries, you know, we just want to encourage you to have someone help you set these. Um, Where you are extremely broken or vulnerable, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's difficult for you to identify it for yourself. And having some outside help could really help you to be able to see this, even getting the book and workbook boundaries. Um, uh, at least you had a counselor that was helping you. Uh, do you have any other yeah. kind of things that really helped you with the boundaries side of things? Well, like you said, I had a wonderful counselor who really helped with that. Um, you know, I part of um, you know the restoration healing process with with my husband. Um, you know, was he had his own work to do to heal and recover from his addiction, and he needed to set his own boundaries for himself and in his relationship to help with that. And he got um, just has had wonderful. Um, support and help from Celebrate Recovery. Um, I, I list a couple of resources in the back of the book, but I, I agree. Sometimes, um, often, I think we, we need help with that um, when we've been deeply hurt or, or when we're in the thick of, of a challenging situation or relationship. It, we're not always able to see clearly on what those boundaries need to be. So finding a trusted um, counselor or a pastor, um, a you know, a, a gr- support group like Celebrate Recovery, um, you know, that can help you in identifying um, what those boundaries should be and keeping you accountable for putting them into place is really key in that recovery process. Hmm. Let's go ahead and talk about the happy surprise then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so I mean, this kind of flows in with, you know, talking about the the benefits of forgiveness. And, you know, I started to talk about in the relationship with my mom, um, as I forgave and and released myself of that bitterness and anger, um, and my heart started softening, and our interactions started to change, um, you know, she started to pick up on that as well. And, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing, but um, a process over a couple of years, there started to be this shift in our relationship. God was doing, you know, all kinds of, you know, amazing things in her life and and things that she was going through and and healing for that and drawing her closer to him. And, um, you know, the happy surprise was that that um, take that apology that I had thought I would never heal, that I had, um, you know, decided that I could forgive without healing, that finally came, um, you know, mm-hmm. many, many years later. And I'd certainly given up um, any sort of hope or even need of hearing that. And I think that's part of what made it such a beautiful, happy mm-hmm. surprise right. is because right. I had gone through the work. <laughs> And I had trusted God, and I didn't need Mm -hmm. to hear that. I didn't need to hear, you know, I Mm -hmm. believe you now, and I'm sorry that this is how I handled it. Um, I was already healed from that, but what a beautiful gift that that was. And and I think that that was really just Mm -hmm. God saying, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a God of surprises and, you know, you just never know what you're going to get with me. And I can, I can really blow your mind and, and deliver mm. things that you never imagined. Mm. It's so true. I can't believe how many times I have, I have died to something or given something up only to have God give it back to me in a way that is so shocking and so much better than what I laid down. Um, yeah that I would I I know sometimes I've just said many times I have said I couldn't have orchestrated that if I had worked totally toward it I didn't even know to try for it you know I mean it was like it wasn't even on my radar what he can come up with and do and surprise and delight our souls things that we don't even know we want or need um but he does yeah absolutely he does it all the time so I am going to go ahead and address this, and even though um, it may be uncomfortable, hopefully it won't be, but you mentioned throughout uh, that you had a lot of unforgiveness towards your mom for not stopping abuse that happened to you as a child, but what about the abuser? Yeah, so that is a tough question, and, and I kind of address that immediately in the book, and I and I think it's important for, for people who are coming to my story to have a similar past of um, childhood sexual abuse to know um, that I I did not walk through um, a restoration process with my abuser. Um, there was certainly, um, you know, letting go and healing that came um, from that, but it was not a healthy um, relationship to begin with, and it wasn't one that I desired to try and, and find restoration with. So, you know, I think um, everybody's story is unique, and I have certainly heard of people that have been able to um, restore a relationship um, with an abuser, but it was just not something that I I sought after or felt um, was needed in order to heal from that trauma and and find forgiveness and, and, and walk in freedom in my life. So would you say then that your book is mostly for the person who believes that restoration is a potential with the person who has wounded them? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, that's certainly a key message in the book that restoration is possible. And I wrote it because when I was knee deep in this in, in the muck of, you know, trying to heal both my marriage and the relationship with my mom, I needed somebody to reassure me that it was even possible, that I wasn't mm-hmm. attempting this in vain. And I scoured everywhere I could to find um, mm. some stories of this, and, and I couldn't find any. And so mm. I wish I'd had, you know, this story um, you know, 15 years ago when I was, was in the middle of it. So that's why I wrote it. But that being said, um, you know, it's been interesting, and in, in the people who have already read the book um, who have walked very different stories and journeys than I have and have talked about just the hope that they have found in, in um, that the joy that can come and the release that can come through the forgiveness journey, even if they are not 
um, seeking after a restored relationship or their situation is very different. Um, and I think that's kind of the universal truth of, of the book is just um, the 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 beauty and the freedom that comes with forgiveness. So I do think that whether or not you're seeking after restoration, the relationship or not, you can find um, in this book that some encouragement and hope for walking through that forgiveness and healing journey. Hmm. And certainly you can be restored in your own soul, even if the other person isn't available for restoration. Absolutely. Beautiful. And you, this book is just coming out right now, and you have some parties this week. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, the book's actually been available for a couple of weeks, but um, we were holding off having the big launch party. So um, that is this weekend. We're having a big celebration with family and friends who have been so supportive of this. And then um, next Wednesday, the 28th, um, having um, kind of the public launch and signing um, here in Winchester, Virginia, at a place called Hideaway Cafe. And um, and that's going to kind of be the um, the big presentation presentation of, of the baby, if you will. The baby was born and uh, awesome. she's been at home and now we're, we're bringing her out <laughs> bringing into her the out. open. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. And you guys can learn more about that over at uh, Jaleesa's website. It's called neitherheightnordepth.com. Love the name of that, neitherheightnordepth.com. And also you can learn more about Jaleesa over at womenspeakers.com by clicking on Virginia, and she will come up right there. Jaleesa, when people go over to your website, I know they can find information about the book. What else can they find there? Yeah, so, I mean, after its namesake, um, Romans 8, 38 and 39, um, you know, that talks about that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that comes through Jesus Christ, and that's kind of the foundation of what you're going to find on the website. It's stories of hope and healing, um, vulnerability, talking about the real things we struggle with in life and in relationships, and just how God continually reveals himself as, you know, just this this loving, patient Father that has given us this, this beautiful gift of grace, and um, that's what I talk about in my writing, and, um, you know, I throw in occasionally a story about my kids, but um, it's really um, just for, for any woman who um, wants to draw closer in her walk with God and just be encouraged um, at just how powerful that love is that we have in our Savior. So cool. And just in one minute, give us a little insight into what a Renew and Restore retreat is. Oh, so this is uh, my women's retreat. Um, I've been doing it for about five years, and um, our next one is coming up the first weekend of October, and it's a weekend-long retreat that um, is really just a chance for women to gather and come together um, both for the fellowship and and the beautiful things that I think happen when women come together and encourage one another and love on one another, Um, but also a chance to really kind of dive deeper into understanding God's call in our life, um, share the common struggles that we have as women, and um, and just really get into God's word and and um, you know be encouraged and uplifted by that. Um, and so hopefully the goal is that you leave there and you walk away feeling totally renewed and restored from whatever you were carrying when you walked in that weekend. Oh, so awesome! Wow, Delise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Marnie. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to you guys for being here. Can't have a radio show without listeners. So grateful for all of you who come out to the show live on Wednesday afternoons and to those of you who listen around the web. Thank you so much. And to those of you who host us, oh my goodness, it's such an honor to share your web space. And if you are interested in that, you can learn more about that at blogtalkradio.com forward slash perspective transformation. And you'll find a downloadable player box that you can add to your website. All kinds of good stuff going on over at Marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. And also encourage you to check out Jaleese Fallon at our website, womenspeakers.com, as well as over 1,000 other Christian women speakers available to you. Um, Some located near you, just click on the map near you and start your search and you're going to find amazing, godly, talented Christian 
women speakers like Jalise over there. So grateful for your friendship and your partnership. Hope you have a wonderful day, a great week, and we'll see you next time on Perspective Transformation. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.